0: I would ask you to turn with me to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 20, where we've been the last two weeks. We're going to focus in on, on one verse this morning, and that's verse 28. Pastor Jay prayed, we are reminded that so many needs. So many burdens that are in our lives. Friends, you and I, we need need shepherding. We need a type of shepherding that's in Psalm 23, where the psalmist says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. We need a type of shepherding that will go through us in the valley of the shadow of death. We need a shepherding that will lead us beside green pastures and beside still waters and will restore our souls. We need someone who will be with us in the presence of our enemies and anoint our our heads and fill our cups. I want to talk to you about a type of shepherding and then ultimately a shepherd this morning. This passage, while particularly was written directly to elders who are shepherds in a flock, they really, this passage is for all of us this morning. And I pray that God would minister to us in a special way. This passage calls to elders, a type of living and loving and serving. And it calls every one of us in this church to a ministry of serving the Lord with humility and with tears and trials. We saw that in verse 19. And I want to zero in in verse 28 this morning. And it has implications to all of us in different ways. And I believe it has implications on the type of church you choose and are to attend and join. In fact, I'd say something, it says something, I think, implications on being a member of a church and committing or covenanting to a church and taking that seriously. Would you look at verse 28? Luke, who wrote Acts, records Paul's words to a group of men, verse 17 calls them the elders of the church of Ephesus, He says this, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to care for the church of God, which He obtained with His own blood. Look at that verse with me again. What's the command? Pay careful attention. The command is pay careful attention and which means watch, guard with great care guard and with great great care watch over and take care to something, give diligent attention. Is called in this passage. Parents watch their kids when they're really little at the park as they play, especially the little ones. Remember that having five kids, seven and under, it would be really stressful. And our main attention was to the younger ones who were much less independent, and we're watching them. We'd go hiking, and especially if we go hiking on places where there were cliffs, oh man, we would have to watch them like a hawk, paying careful attention. My wife Molly has five and sometimes six patients on a regular basis in her shift at the hospital in McLaren under her watch care, watching over medicine and specific needs and dangers and risks and hygiene and questions from family. Across the road from our house on Reed Road, our our neighbors are building a house right next to them, and they have a contractor who oversees and guards things to make sure everything is going to plan according to the plans and blueprints. My son Elijah is a shift manager at over at Jersey Mike's and he oversees Things that are to be done according to instruction, are people in their stations, are they doing what they need to do according to the policies or the plans or the rules for the care and satisfaction of customers and the boss. And elders are to watch carefully over something. What is it in this passage? You see it. Two things. Watch over yourselves and watch over the flock. This reminds us what Paul said to Timothy, another pastor, in verse 1 Timothy 4.16. Keep close watch on yourself, Timothy, and on your teaching, your doctrine, what you're teaching the flock, And persist in this, for by so doing, you will save both yourself and your hearers. I want you to think as we go through this verse, I want to say you're all in this text this morning, all of you, not just the elders. Obviously, the elders are. The elders can immediately go, oh, I got to listen. This is especially for me. I am an elder here at Faith Church. Or maybe you might say, I'm a future elder. I aspire to being elder. I I think God might call me to be an elder someday. Maybe. Or we have deacons who are assisting elders. That's obvious. But maybe you're a parent this morning. You are to have the kind of mindset and take to heart the command in this to watch over yourself and the little flock that God has given you, one or two or five. Maybe you're in leadership, in life group or kids ministry or in general, just there are people that are put in your life, maybe in your business. And there are principles from this passage you need to watch over yourself and then those that have been put into your charge. But this passage has all of you, if you're a Christian. In this passage, he says the whole flock, all of the flock. Those there are. This passage speaks to those who are to watch and to those who are to be watched over. And either you're in one of those two categories, and often in both. Acts twenty isn't a special manual for pastors only but for all of us to embrace what God has for us. Have you seen what the lack of caring or watching causes? Have you ever experienced that? Yeah, he, she wasn't watching. He wasn't watching and that happened. We have seen it with parents that have no clue what's going on and they seem to not even care how their kids are acting. In the Old Testament, the prophets, especially Ezekiel, says there were shepherds, and that was the term for elders and leaders that were to watch over the people, sometimes kings. And they were not being good shepherds like King David was. They were lazy in their care. They were selfish And they use their leadership for greedy purposes. And so Ezekiel 34 says, prophesy against those shepherds. They say that, thus says the Lord, ah, shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves, should not you feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourself with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you... Do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened. The sick you have not healed. The injured you have not bound up. The strayed you have not brought back. The lost you have not sought. And with force and harshness you have ruled them. So they were scattered because they were there was no shepherd. And they became food for all the wild beasts. My sheep were scattered. They wandered all over the mountains and on every high hill. My sheep were scattered over all the face of the earth with none to search or seek for them. I'm afraid that there are many people that are jaded and bitter about religion and the church because they've experienced churches where there are pastors and leaders who take their charge of oversight and leadership in spiritual life and they take this pulpit and it turns into a bully pulpit." They turn it into an abuse of power in which they use their authority to feed themselves. And they ignore the flock. And Paul is concerned that we and the elders that he's writing to, and we, do quite the opposite. This passage, Paul, the Holy Spirit, God, wants Leaders and you and I, in wherever care that we've been given, to watch carefully over ourselves and the charge in front of us. This said another way, this passage is calls us to a caregiving. Elders are to give a type of care. A church, you as a church is to receive a certain kind of care. Each is involved in a type of care. So what kind of care do we see according to this passage? I want to just give you, I want to point you to four things, four types of care. First of all, do you see the comprehensive care that is required in this passage? Comprehensive. When I say comprehensive, I mean com- I meant including all, including all or nearly all elements are people here. He says here, pay careful attention to yourself and to all of the flock all. This care is personal. God intends, God intended for in the early church when Paul said to the elders, you have particular people, their names, they're on your mind and they're probably written down because the Jews were really good with records. And you know who all of those people are under your care. And he said, elders, I want you to make sure you watch over yourself and to all, every last one, every man and woman, boy and girl, all who are under your charge, care for them. This is a personal business. It's not just a general number. Oh, we had a big crowd today, and that's great. Is Well, did we have our, all of our our flock there? I don't know, but there was more than last week, so that's all that matters. He said, no, all of the flock that you're given, you are to care My dad, uh, well, my my dad and my mom, they, they raised me. I'm one of seven, but growing up, I was one of five because my parents adopted later after we were already out of the home and married. But I remember we would leave church on Sundays, and it was quite, it still is, to try to get everybody in the car, get everybody home. Um, very often we'd be getting going. There's a few times we would go and have to drive back because we missed some of the, our kids and left them at the church. I don't know if you've ever done that. It came, it came to the time when we would start driving, my dad would go, is everyone here as long as we have most of them? <laughs> That's not how it works. And it was always a joke. This shepherding care should never be as long as we have most of them, at least in our hearts. When Paul says, elders, watch over all the flock. I, I, want, I want to tell you not, not to go, oh, praise you, Daniel, praise you, elders. No, I just want to say that the elders of this church imperfectly are earnestly seeking to do our best as human people who are broken, mistaken, and struggle in our lives, we desire to, with all our hearts, shepherd all of the flock. Every month we gather, we'll gather tomorrow evening at six o'clock, pray for us. And one of the things we do, like we do every month, is we have a sheet of paper that has all of your names on there. Every one of you, if you've been visiting For not very long, you're on there if we've got your name and we start to pray for you on a regular basis. And at least one or at least two of the men as a team will promise and pledge to pray for you and then hopefully start start to build a relationship with you, connect with you so that we can better care for your soul. Every single one in this church matters. If you are a member, being a member is saying, I'm asking for this care. I'm asking to be Acts 20, 20 28 to be watched over, cared for by overseers of Faith Church. You've asked us to care for your soul, and we must do it according to this passage. And that includes us elders, pastors, deacons we watch over but oh we need to be watched over by the other leaders and by you please do so please pray for us please care for us but so there's a comprehensive care but i want you secondly to see there's a spiritual care i mean that's that's what this kind of care is talking about this passage says watch over yourself and watch over all of your flock in which the holy spirit has made you overseers, all of the flock. He's made the Holy Spirit, has made you overseers to care for the church of God. There is a physical care that should take place, does take place. We just took a grace fund offering in which we want to be in your lives. And if we find out that you have a material need, we are your family and we want to help meet that need to the best of our ability. If there, are, if there is something going on, we want to care. God made us body, soul, and spirit. And they're all interwoven. But there is a type of spiritual care that we prioritize because we think it's foundational to all things. We are focused first and foremost on the soul that will live forever. The Holy Spirit, according to this passage, the Holy Spirit appoints elders to their task. And we must rely on the Holy Spirit. And we must go to the Holy Spirit source, which is this book. And we must long for the Holy Spirit to bear fruit in our lives. This word is called the sword of the Spirit our message according to this passage is to call people towards repentance towards God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ oh you week after week you come in and you're struggling with sin just like us and we call you to the one hope that we all have is there is repentance with God and there's faith in the Lord Jesus Christ who forgives and restores and heals and helps and grows and changes and he is in if you're if you live a normal age of life God is in a 70 80 sometimes 90 sometimes 50 year process of growing you, teaching you about yourself, teaching you about your need to no longer depend on yourself, but depend on the God who raises the dead to walk by faith and not by sight. We elders are called to a spiritual care, a spiritual watchfulness. There is a watchfulness that needs to take place that is burdened for the condition of your faith. It is meant... God has called at least six men and there's four deacons in this church who are meant to be kept up at night for your faith and your joy in the gospel. Paul writes these kinds of things to pastors. He says, I endure everything for the sake of God's chosen Christians that they may obtain salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. I, I endure all things. Or he writes to the Thessalonians, for this reason, when I could not bear it no longer, I sent to learn about your faith, I couldn't help it. I want to know about your faith. It matters to me. What I mean, your faith in Christ. Are you learning to trust in his promises? Are you repenting of your sins? Are you learning to believe him rather than the lies of this world? Are you growing to know and have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Paul would write to the Corinthians church. He says, oh, we don't lord it over your faith, but we are workers for your joy for you to stand firm in the faith, it is the the necessary call and care of all of the leaders and pastors of this church is to help each one of you, all of you, have joy in the Lord forever. That might mean admonishing and correcting and pointing out sin which will cause sorrow in the short run so that there can be an acknowledging of sin, finding the only solution for sin, which is Jesus Christ, which is absolutely available, always adequate and sufficient and brings transformation to those that receive it. It is the the ministry of pastors and of all members to care for that kind of faith that leads to true and lasting, everlasting joy. Paul writes this kind of commitment when he says in Colossians, Jesus Christ is who we proclaim. And that means we're warning everyone and we're teaching everyone. Notice the everyone With all wisdom, that means tact and a type of discernment. What's best for this individual person, this individual sheep? And what's better for this person who struggles with this? I need to know them for that to happen. He says, I I struggle, I proclaim all this so that we may present everyone mature in Christ. Please know this, everyone sitting in this room or watching, that it is God's intention for you not to just be a, I prayed that prayer, I guess I'm a Christian, kind of Christian, but to be one that grows in maturity, to grow mature in Christ, to become more and more like Christ, to trust in Him with all your heart, to... to imperfectly, but truly start to have victory over sin in your life. Paul says, I struggle with all the energy that God powerfully works in me. I struggle for this, for you to be mature in Christ. Oh, I pray that if you're a member, if this is your church, that Five years from now, if God allows you to live that long, allows us to live that long, that we would be all more mature in Christ. We would be stronger in our faith. We would be more humble about who we really are and more thankful for what He has done. And we would delight in His grace and we would share it and help others with it. Paul writes to the Philippians, oh, I pray that your love would abound more and more with all knowledge and discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and you be pure and blameless. You see, the care that elders and deacons have here in this church, and really the care you are to each have is a spiritual care that includes feeding God's word leading you in the paths by directing you. What does God's word say? And leading you through example and with wisdom and with care and protecting you and warning you and, and correcting you and calling you to repent and believe in all that God says. It is our constant, constant mission. That is what God has called. And God intends for us to not stop pursuing that with his grace. And it's a work of the Holy Spirit. And he uses Sunday mornings, he uses day in, day out, living together as a church. Okay? So if there's a comprehensive care and there's a spiritual care, I want you to see the stewardship care that takes place in this passage. Stewardship. It's the idea that of taking a charge of something that's actually not owned by you, but given a responsibility, and you take that charge. This passage says, watch and watch yourself and watch all of the flock, this flock in which you've been made overseers by the Holy Spirit to care for the church of God. This is a stewardship care that the elders have, that the leaders have. This is not Pastor Daniel's church. This is not the deacons or the elders church. This is not the congregation's church. This is always God's church. Ultimately, it's not you who voted to make us elders. You you voted to make me your pastor. But ultimately, it wasn't you that made me your pastor. It was the Holy Spirit through your instrumentation to do that. And we have a stewardship. My marching orders aren't from me and ultimately not from you. It's but from God and His Word by the Holy Spirit Stewardship refers to a responsibility, a management, a care of resources and assets and responsibilities entrusted to us for a particular purpose, to protect a charge, a commission, a care. We are stewards, everyone in this church, those kids that went to the back Many of them, their souls are right now being cultivated. Some of them are Christians. Some of them have put called on the name of the Lord. And we are called, all of us, to shepherd them and care for them. We are stewarded by God to do that. If you're a parent, you've been given a stewardship. You are not the owners of your children. You are merely ambassadors from the king, given to them for a short period of time to help them see the goodness and the glory of God. To show them the truth and long that they would have wisdom and insight and hope in the gospel. Stewards, well, stewards require a type of responsibility. Please pray that we would be responsible with this charge. It requires an accountability. We will be answerable to God and in some ways we are answerable to you. That's how we've set things up. It requires a long term perspective, eternity. Our, our, just as parents care not for just the short term behavior that's changed, but the long term heart change. So, this type of stewardship cares for that kind of perspective. It requires an ethical behavior, any kind of stewardship. And so Paul says, you will lead and you will take this charge by example. And so you need to watch over yourself. Watching over yourself, elders, because you need to lead as one leading your family. You need to lead as one leading personally in your life. You must walk with God. How can you give to anybody if you don't have yourself? That's one of the hard things about being a pastor. I have to get up every Sunday or most Sundays and I have to preach as though, well, I've, I've mastered this and I don't want you to ever think I've mastered it. I preach to you things that I don't practice as good as I should. I'll do that until the day I die. I'm going to try with all my heart, with God's help, to practice everything I preach but heralders of God's word declare things that they're not even close to attaining. So parents, we should, when God convicts us, to always repent of it, repent of our hypocrisy. When he says, watch over yourselves. He's saying, don't be, don't be a hypocrite. Don't, don't greedily exploit the flock. Say one thing and do the other. Recognize how much you need a bigger shepherd to help you as well. This pastor does. This pastor needs your prayers. This pastor needs your shepherding. It always has and always will. So do all our elders and all our leaders, but we've been called to a certain type of stewardship. So that's why Paul, or Peter, writes at the end of his letter in 1 Peter when he says, so shepherd the flock of God, exercise oversight, Don't do it under compulsion, but do it willingly. Don't do it for shameful gain. Don't do it for just greedy purposes so you just get a paycheck. Don't domineer over your charge, but be examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, and it's capital letter shepherd, Jesus, you'll receive the unfading crown of glory. There is a comprehensive shepherding that needs to take place in this church and that all, all need to be cared for. And and it's a spiritual care and it's a stewardship care. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say more about that in just a minute. But I wanna last, lastly, I wanna say to you, it's it's a precious care. And I, I hope you just feel the weight of this. I hope you feel like, oh, I need to pray for Pastor Daniel and for, for Jay Caldwell and for Mike Dunford and Lee Mundy and Dan Hillicker and Jason Moles, who are elders, that you have, you have submitted to our charge and you have asked us to be your elders, and we have committed ourselves to a type of charge and a commitment to God's word, but also that you would feel the preciousness of you taking and joining in this care. It's a pres- I'm gonna call it a precious care because, well, we'll see this here. I struggled with what word to use here. A care that embraces something that really, really is special. We have stored, Molly and I, through the years, we have stored possessions from missionaries, even from our past church or past friends from college, Missionaries that go onto the mission field and they go, we have extra stuff. We don't want to throw it away, but will you store it in your storage compartment or your attic or whatever? And so we still have some of that. I'm still finding things with their name on it. Go, oh, I didn't realize that was theirs. And obviously it wasn't that precious to them because they wouldn't have let, let us hang on to it and put it into our attic. That's not as precious. But this is not the kind of precious that's not precious. This is precious. This kind of care is really precious. When, when we have someone watch our kids, especially the longer we go away, that's a big deal because our kids are really precious. They're tr- Are the people that are going to watch over be trustworthy? Will they pay close attention? Will they protect and will they provide? Will they look out for their best interests more than their own? And why? Because because my kids are, are precious to me. Yeah, I guess that's the word that Tolkien used in The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings when Gollum views his supreme possession of life his precious. But Paul says, care for the church. He says, you are overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. Can anything else on earth be more valuable or precious than that which costs the blood of Jesus Christ? Peter says, know that you are ransomed. You were purchased from your futile way of living that was inherited from your forefathers. And you were purchased not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of of Christ like a lamb that is without blemish or spot. Paul says I want you to think this is so this is so important. These are this is my flock. God says the Holy Spirit would say I made you overseers of the of our flock, the, my flock. Jesus would say I purchased it with my blood. That's my flock. That's the church of God that you are to care for it says, many implications. Friends, if you are in Christ Jesus, we are called to this precious calling and we are purchased by His blood. This is not a call for personal pride or arrogance. Man, I must be precious because I was bought by His blood. But just the opposite. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound to save a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found. Was blind, but now I see. This should humble us and fill us with a joy and appreciation. How God values us, not based on our own merit, but on Jesus Christ. So there's there's some practical implications that I want to conclude with. Here are some practical implications. Number one, God loves his church and so should we. Oh, He cares for us. Let that ring in your ears. Let that, let that ring in your hearts. God cares for us. He loves us. He loves us and He cares for us to be shepherd. He purchased us with His blood. He intends to have the Holy Spirit appoint overseers to care for all of you. I love how Psalm forty preached it, it was our last psalm I preached on, the last verse of Psalm 40 says, as for me, David says, I am poor and needy, but the Lord takes thought for me. You are my help and my deliverer, do not delay. O sinner, he takes thought of you. O self-righteous one, he takes thought of you, not because you're worthy, but because he loves you in order to make you worthy. He loves you by giving you His Son. And if you're here this morning, and I've been mostly addressing those who are Christians, but I want to invite you, if you are not a Christian or you're not sure you're a Christian, I want to tell you the most amazing truth, the most amazing news, it's called the gospel, the good news, is this all can be for you. God gives absolute mercy and grace and makes a pledged covenant and promise to you to forgive you of all your sins, take away all of your shame, to place upon his own son who died on the cross and rose from the dead. His, He takes your sin and he gives you all of the benefits of the perfect son of God, Jesus. He offers that to all who repent of their sins, turn away from themselves and believe in Jesus, trust in him and accept his free gift and they become his He loves you by giving you His Son. Oh, that the love of Christ would constrain us as a people. Oh, that God's love would soak deep into your soul this morning, wherever you are, whether you are feeling guilty over sin. You look to Christ. He loves. He loves to care for you. Whether you feel just blank or discouraged or cold or hard-hearted, I pray that His words would ring into your heart that He cares for you and He loves you. Whether you're feeling the loss from the loss of a loved one, the loss of a dream, feeling discouraged by whatever it is, oh no, that He cares for you. And number two, God cares for His church through people like us. Consider how this verse and the implications are that God cares and He uses people. God has raised and provides and protects you through people. He has in my life. I think of my mom and my dad, my grandpa and grandma, my pastors, my teachers and friends. Maybe for you, a stepmom or stepdad, a brother or sister who have come and cared for you and not just cared for you physically, but spiritually You heard the word through those people. God cared for you and loved you through those people. And do you know that God intends for his church to be loved and cared for through people just like you? God intends for you to live for the rest of your life, rolling up your sleeves I guess first getting on your knees and crying out to God for help and mercy and rolling up your sleeves and going about this business of growing in the Word so that you can be a spiritual care to one another in their sin and in their suffering, in their victories, in their growth, in all that they go through. God uses people. Number three, every Christian needs to submit themselves to this kind of care. Every Christian really needs, the, the implications are that every Christian needs to be part of a body where elders are their overseers, and they say, will you do that for me? We call it church membership, but we, we need to put ourselves under care. Hebrews 13, 17 speaks to this. I want I direct you to that. I'm going to read it to you. I don't know probably not going to go up on the screen, but Hebrews 13, 17 is so important. He says, obey your leaders and submit to them for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning for that would be of no advantage. You realize that here this passage is you are to put yourself, the implications are put yourself under people who will watch over your souls as those who will give an account, which really leads us to the next and last point. I lump three and four together. Number four, elders and members will give an account for this relationship. Hebrews 13, 17 says, obey your leaders and submit to them. I don't mean that means that leaders can go around bossing the members of the church around that would be far from that the heart of this it means primarily as i tell you to obey god's word and i proclaim this to you you obey god's word and you follow it as i lead you as we lead you in scripture and to walk with god you joyfully have a bent towards following it but it says for we are watching over your souls as those who will have to give an account Someday, I don't know how this will go, but someday I will stand before the judgment seat and say, and they'll ask me, maybe it'll go through names of faith church and give an account for how you spiritually cared for so-and-so. How did it go in watching over the faith and joy and maturity of that family? of that individual, of that situation, that person. What a sobering reality that someday, some glorious day for those who are in Christ, but sobering day, we will give an account. Cast all your cares on Him. He cares for you. Though the elders and deacons of any church may seek to give a comprehensive care of all of the flock, we will always fail. But he will never fail. God's care is comprehensive. He loves his own. Are you his own? You can be today. All his own are cared for and he works for their good. His care is for our body and spirit. He cares for not our temporal good merely, but for our eternal good. Our God is caring and he is a wise father who has the long and wise view of things. He will not allow us to suffer in the short run or, I should say, he allows us to suffer in the short run because he loves us so much that he longs for us to know and enjoy his goodness forever. His love and care is so glorious, and it has come at the price of his blood. Jesus is our true shepherd. And so, as we conclude this service, may we fix our mind to that perfect shepherd. One of my favorite pastors, John Newton, reminds us of this when he wrote to a letter of a struggling and hurting Christian. And so would you hear this wor- these words as we conclude the service? The Lord is your shepherd, Faith Church. It's a comprehensive word. The sheep do nothing for themselves. The shepherd must guide, guard, feed, heal, and recover. Well for us that our shepherd is the Lord Almighty. If his power, care, compassion, fullness were not infinite, the poor sheep would be forsaken, starved, and worried. But we have a shepherd full of care, full of kindness, full of power who has said, I will seek that which is lost and bind up that which is broken and bring again that which was driven away and will strengthen that which is sick. You have a watchful shepherd, faith church, Talking about capital S, a shepherd who neither slumbers nor sleeps. His eyes are always upon his people. His arms are underneath them. They're underneath you. This is the reason that their enemies, our enemies, cannot prevail against us. Think about how many unguarded moments you've had in which we might be surprised and ruined if we were left without his defense. Yes, we often suffer loss by our folly, but our shepherd restores us when wandering. He revives us when fainting. He heals us when wounded. And having obtained his help, we continue to this hour, and he will be our guard and our guide even unto death. He has delivered. He does deliver. And in him we trust that he will yet deliver us. Amen. Oh, Father, I pray that you would please put us to the calling, to the task of Shepherding and being shepherded. Oh, I pray that we would treasure and delight and rejoice, that we have been cared for. I pray that we would serve because we've been shepherd, we've been served. I pray that we would watch carefully over ourselves, and I pray that we'd watch over each other in this church. We'd care so much about the spiritual condition of one another. And that would turn us into people that pray and ask and listen and reach out and are, pre- are present in each other's lives. I pray that you would take and work in us and draw to the shepherd and if there are any here this morning that have not come to the shepherd for salvation. They would. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We are going to conclude with a song that was special to Gordon Mundy. Um, We have the joys and sorrows of rejoicing with those who rejoice and weeping with those who weep. We don't let the dominant emotion of our of, of the season B grief over the loss, we're thankful for 94-year-old Gordon Mundy going to be with the Lord. We had a wonderful memorial service this Friday, and I invite you to watch it online if you, if you can, because there was some amazing testimony to the grace of God in this dear man. This is not a song we've sung very often, and maybe we should more often, but we're going to sing the old rugged cross. We sang this towards the end of the... Uh, of the memorial service, and we're going to sing this, um, not, not in a, just a nostalgic way for Gordon, it's, it's, we look to Christ. But we also are thankful for him, and we thankful for Dorothy. I call her Grandma Monday. She's not feeling good today. She's probably weakened from a heavy season. So pray for her. She's doing well. Um, Gordon's son, of course, Lee and Deborah here this morning, and so would you stand, and would you sing together this song to each other, reminding yourself of the cross, and I'll end with the benediction after.